Hello and welcome back to Winter Wisdom Apothecary. Join us for journeys with plants and stories about their lessons. Plants and animals live together in an ecosystem and there's really an interconnectedness to nature and to the way plants and animals and humans exist in the world that none of us are in a silo, we exist in ecosystems, we're connected to each other and into the ecosystem around us. There is a few things that have been on my mind lately that I have been wanting to talk about. One thing that came up today was interactions with cardinals. So. I have had cardinals visiting me in my backyard for quite a few weeks now, maybe even months. I can't remember the first time I saw one in my backyard, but there is definitely a neighborhood cardinal that has been um, visiting me lately. And this morning I slept in. I, I went to bed really late last night. I couldn't sleep. I had to like wake up and do some like chores around the house. But this morning I heard a call, a bird call, and I thought I recognized it. I think that might be a cardinal. But I went back to bed, I slept in for a while. I think it's what I needed, so it's, it's good that I got that extra rest. Um, but I didn't get to see it in the morning. Often when I do see the cardinal, it's looking out um, my kitchen window, or like I have these stairs that I go up into the sunroom when I leave the house in the morning, so often I'll see the cardinal in the lilac tree. I think it's lilacs I'll have to see the spring, but in the tree there. Um, but it's usually in the mornings that I see him, this, this bright red cardinal. This morning I think I heard him, but I didn't see him in the morning. Um, and then in the afternoon, so um, just a couple days ago, I saw this reel about bird watching um, and this guy um, calling to birds, and he called it pishing, so I had to look it up today just to like see if that was a real thing or not. But a way to like kind of call birds out to you when you're bird watching. And as I was um, doing some research into it, um, I ended up like looking up bird calls and looking up the cardinal songs to hear them and like see if I could recognize them. Um, and then I had this idea to like play this recording of a cardinal in my backyard. I think because I saw a video where they they did this, they put their phone out in their backyard and played a cardinal song. And within a minute, a cardinal kind of flew up and was trying to figure out what's going on. Where's the sound coming from? So I ended up um, like playing short snippets of this recording of cardinals calling um, and I would play it and then pause it and then listen back for the call in the distance and then when I heard it I would play a little snippet again and went back and forth for a little while um, and it ended up calling the cardinal into my yard into the apple tree first he came and he flew into where I have like my biggest bird feeder he sat there for just a really qu quick minute um, and then he flew up somewhere else. I couldn't see where he flew, but I had a sense that he was just watching the backyard from somewhere else. Because when I played the song, um, he still was calling back. Um, and then I went to go run and get my camera, so I was that way for a couple minutes. But I came back with my camera to sit in the sunroom, and again, I'm playing the, um, the snippets of the bird song, and then hearing him go back to me and going back and forth a little bit. It was a little bit of a surreal experience to be like speaking with a bird in that way, like speaking the same language. 
Um, in another sense, I have no clue what the bird song calls actually meant, so I was wondering, like, is this even, um, like, what am I saying to this cardinal as we're, as we're communicating back and forth with each other? Um, the recording that I chose was a female cardinal at a bird feeder, so I was hoping it was, um, you know, good things were being said, that there's food here and that there's, there's mates here, so come on into the backyard. But really, I had no idea what I was saying when I was playing these bird calls. Um, but yeah, I went to get my camera, um, so I was gone for a little bit and I came back. And I didn't see him anymore, but as I played the recording, um, I still heard him calling back and responding back. So I ended up stepping outside and looking around to try to see if I could see him. And eventually, um, after hearing a bit of his song, I looked up to see him in like the tallest tree that's close to my backyard. There's a little bit of like a park behind me, um, like a little bit of a strip of forest, I guess I could say, behind me um, that goes up a hill. So like not way up into the hills, but the tallest tree within like, um, you know, me and my neighbors around me. He was sitting at the very, very tip top of an evergreen singing and looking around, like really taking a bird's eye view of everything around him up in the very tip top of that tree. Um, and that was just a sight to see in of, it, in of itself. Um, and I think seeing him in that tree and seeing like how invested he was in this process, like he was very, very invested in this like bird call. And it kind of hit me that I'm like toying with this bird's emotions a little bit. I'm like intervening in his behavior by telling him that there's this female bird calling to him that's not actually there. Like it was really a lie that I'm telling him and it's throwing off how he's choosing to spend his time because now he's like really on high alert and invested in seeing what's going on around him. So that was like a little bit surreal as well, both the communicating with him and with realizing that it was an artificial form of communication and that maybe, you know, it wasn't the best thing to be doing at that time. Um, so I ended up, I took a little bit of a picture of him, but I only have, this is going to be a sidetrack, but you know, if you've been listening for a while, you know that we're all about the tangents on this podcast. But I have a DSLR camera that I got when I started university in 2010, so it's over a decade old now. But I have broken lenses for it twice, like an 18 to 55 millimeter like zoom lens where you can like zoom in and out. Um, I've broken two of those by dropping the camera on the ground. I'm a, I'm a clumsy person. Um, so I haven't had a lens on this camera for years and years and years and years. Maybe not using it, but you know, for quite a few years I haven't had a lens for this camera and it's just been sitting in my closet. And every once in a while I take it out and like put it in a prominent position where I can look at it and remind myself to get a new lens, but for years and years I haven't bought a new lens for it. So really recently, I mean, I've been trying not to spend as much money. I do want to save up for, for a house right now, but... Um, so recently I ended up buying a 35 millimeter lens. So one that you can't like zoom in and out with, but just a fixed lens for my camera, as well as like some macro diopters they're called. So like um, a little bit of convex glass that you can screw on to the end of the camera to magnify things. But it also makes the amount of um, the image that can be in focus be a lot less too. 
but I've always from the start of my like photography journey been really interested in macro photography so like that really zoomed in detail like small thing photography so I was hoping I could do some macro photography and these probably aren't the best tools for that but I was really trying to keep my budget down while also you know enabling me maybe to get some macro in um so I ended up taking a picture of the cardinal like way up in the tree with this 35 millimeter camera um, which isn't like, it's not a zoom camera, it's not meant for that kind of um, shot, but I took a, a picture of him way up in the tree just, just to have it for myself, I guess. And then coming inside, I ended up like looking into cardinal behavior more. I actually ended up like googling like um, the ethics of bird calls and like is it ethical to use a recording to call birds? And I found that um, some bird watching association or another, I forget what it was called, it said that it is not recommended to use it for endangered or threatened species. Um, like, don't be throwing off the behavior of a species that is having a hard time in the wilderness already. It also said if you're going to use them, then keep it very, very short. Like, a short time you're using them, like less than five minutes. And for short snippets as well, like keep it to a couple seconds of birdsong and then like a prolonged pause, like a more silence than the actual birdsong. And to use it really infrequently because at the end of the day, it is throwing off bird behavior. Um, so I, I, I do feel kind of bad about kind of, I was reflecting to myself like catfishing the, ca the cardinal like that. But you know, I've, I've learned from it, and going forward, I'll try to think of other ways to interact with the birds in, in the ecosystem around me. But on a deeper level, I feel like a, a lot of magnitude around this event today, and I'm not really sure why. I almost have this, um, this sense of, like, deja vu, like, I'm trying to, like, bring up this memory or something, um, this like connected memory or that I've been through this before and I have no idea why there's just like a really strange feeling of it around like these events today with the cardinal and it really bothers me that I can't put my finger on it and I can't like explain what's coming up for me right now but it really feels like almost a sense of deja vu almost like I'm trying to link back other memories with this moment but they don't even feel like they actually happened almost these memories that I'm trying to call in, but it didn't actually, there's nothing actually linked to it. It's very, very difficult to explain. But a strange magnitude and a strange almost deja vu feeling to the events today of calling in the Cardinal. And I mean, there are spiritual meanings connected to the Cardinal. There's some cultures where the Cardinal is connected to like messages from a loved one if a loved one's passed away. I've also seen that the cardinal can be a signal that, um, like, a spirit is trying to contact you on the physical plane. In one of the books that I read, um, what was it called? I was reading, like, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert, and, um, I think it was, like, Super Attractor or The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle, is it Bernstein? Um, but kind of a few more spiritual books. And I had never seen a cardinal when I read one story from Gabrielle Bernstein about asking the universe for a sign. Um, and just like when you're really struggling, maybe sometimes with like a decision or you just have a question you're trying to ask the universe, asking for a sign, like a very specific sign, like, okay, if I'm supposed to choose A, 
um, then I'd like to see a butterfly within the next seven days. And if I'm supposed to choose B, then I won't see that. Um, and she was just explaining ways you can like converse with the universe in that way. And one of the signs I think she asked for was to see a red cardinal. Um, and she did end up seeing it. So maybe like that's part of like the magnitude I ascribe to cardinals. And as well, I have a friend who was trying to make a decision um, a couple years ago, and she asked to see a red bird if she was supposed to um, go forward with something that like she wasn't quite sure about. And then a cardinal came into her yard, and she saw a cardinal. I think it was like the next day or a couple of days later. And it really gave her a sense of relief that um, she could make this decision with more ease now. So cardinals having this bit of legacy of connection to the spirit realm and being a bit of a, a sign from the universe in a way, I guess. Maybe that's why I, I feel this like magnitude around speaking to the cardinal today. Um, and what else? I guess when I was um, reading about cardinals and cardinal behavior and ways to support birds in the habitat around you, I also ended up um, like wondering where cardinals nest. Um, and if they like lived in birdhouses, if I should bring in a birdhouse, but cardinals actually change nests every year or sometimes two times a year. They have um, like two broods in southern Canada, so they'll have um, they'll lay their eggs and have their chicks once early, early on in the spring, and then they'll they'll do it again in the summertime. So they'll often won't even stay in the same nest for those two different broods, but they change nests every year. They don't use like bird boxes or bird houses, they just make um, nests in like really dense foliage. I saw that one of the trees that they like to make their nests in is hawthorn, also like blackberry brambles, so like these thorny bushes to help protect their nest and their young. Um, and again hawthorn just being a plant that I'm really getting to know lately, it's like such a truffle restorative or like a strength building plant for the heart. And blackberry, blackberry is a fruit and a plant that um, I've interacted with a lot in my childhood. Um, growing up on the west coast, we have you know wild blackberries everywhere in the summertime, and we even have a blackberry festival every August. Um, and we would just go and pick the ripest, most juiciest, sweetest blackberries you can ever imagine. In university, one day I ended up buying blackberries from the grocery store. And I was appalled at how they tasted. There was absolutely no flavor to them. They weren't even like soft and sweet. They were just like these hard, flavorless, I don't know, like lumps of fruit, I guess. And it just blew me away that there could be such a difference between like wild blackberries and their place of abundance and um, grocery store blackberries. But um, Hawthorne and blackberries being a place that cardinals really like to nest. Um, and then I ended up watching some time-lapse videos of birds building nests, and I was really intrigued and captivated by that for a while. If I close my eyes, I can still like replay it in my mind a little bit. And it was really interesting as well. Um, bringing it back into the plants a little bit, as we've you know talked about before, plants and animals live together in an ecosystem. And there's really an interconnectedness to nature and to the way plants and animals and humans exist in the world, that none of us are in a silo. We exist in ecosystems. We're connected to each other and into the ecosystem around us. But giving a little bit more attention to the plants as well, in addition to hawthorn and blackberry, 
Um, one of the plants that cardinals really like to eat is safflower seed. Um, so I just have like a generic mixed seed blend that I'm putting into my bird feeder right now. And the squirrels tear it apart looking for the, I think it's the peanuts and the sunflower seeds that they like the most. So they just like dump everything else on the ground so they can get to the peanuts and the sunflower seeds. And I was looking into what I can put in my bird feeder to attract certain birds. Specifically, um, cardinals. I have some, well I'm going to say that's definitely wrong, but like nyer seed or milk thistle seed in the front. Nothing has been touching that yet, but when I lived in Edmonton, um, I had all of these either house finches or purple finches. I can't tell the difference between them, but these little red birds coming to my bird feeder all the time in Edmonton. So I learned that one of the seeds that they really like is milk thistle. Um, and they were so cute, they even ended up like bringing their babies to the bird feeder when like they, they hatched, because I'd always see these like tiny little little baby finches as well, so cute. So this year I've just put out a milk thistle feeder in one of the trees out front. I'm not sure what kind of tree it is, but I'm excited to see it come into bloom if it blooms. I'm excited to see like the crocuses and the hyacinths and the narcissus come up below the tree. I planted a bunch of bulbs in the fall, so I'm really excited to see the flowers grow and then see the birds coming to the bird feeder. And I swear that when I have a bird feeder in my garden, they end up fertilizing the land through their waste, through their fecal matter, like through pooping, you know? Um, so I had this evergreen in front of my house that I kept my bird feeder in, in Edmonton. And then there was a lilac tree really close by that the birds like to hang out in as well. And I had this little flower and herb garden just underneath the lilac tree. And the birds used to, you know, poop a lot into my garden. But I noticed that the year after I put the bird feeder in, the spring after that, um, like when I moved in, the, the flowers, the lilacs were like this, you know, pretty light purple color. But the year after the birds came and like pooped in that garden underneath, the lilacs were such like a deep, rich purple color. There was such a difference in the color of the lilacs that year. So again, just one of the other ways that, you know, the plants and the animals intersect. But I definitely forgot where I was going with, I guess, just milk thistle and the finches and thinking of different flowers, or sorry, different seeds to feed the birds. Right, so, so one of the seeds that cardinals really like is safflower seed, which just so happens to be one of the seeds that I bought this year to plant. Now, I bought way, way, way too many seeds, and I'm not going to be able to plant them all this year. I do this every year, um, and so it just keeps getting worse and worse. Like, the stockpile of seeds that I have keeps growing year after year, and I need to, like, I need to slow down and just plant what I already have and, like, just choose what I'm going to plant that year. But safflower seed being one of the flowers that I chose to, um, you know, buy seeds for this year. So I'm looking forward to planting some safflower in the backyard. And just letting it go to seed and maybe if I'm lucky catching the cardinals just eating the seed from the plant that would be really special. I'm also very curious to like I guess I won't see this but I'm just very curious if the cardinals can recognize a safflower and if they're attracted to the backyard because of that seeing the safflower in bloom. I mean I would imagine that they can recognize their their food sources before they go to seed because having that ability to recognize the plants early when they're in their flowering stage I'm sure would give them an advantage when it comes to feeding on the seeds later. So I have a theory that even the safflowers in the garden will attract cardinals to the yard as well, or the area around the yard.
and I mean I don't really know what else to say but again I just wish I could put into words how it seems like so important that I had these experiences with the Cardinals today. Um, I guess I'm glad that I'm sharing it on the podcast because maybe that's you know all that was supposed to come out of it was to have that experience and then share it. And...